Thank you for joining us today for this life-changing message from River of Life. If you are ever in our area, we would love for you to join us. For more information, visit us at rolcrawfordville.com. That's rolcrawfordville.com. Or download our app in the App Store under ROL Crawfordville. Now, let's join Senior Pastor Henry Jones as he teaches from the Word of God. The house of the Lord should be filled with joy, excitement, expectation, and faith. Wow, it is good to be in a church where there's joy in the house. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. I'm in a series of messages on receiving mercy. This is actually part three. And and we began the series, and I've read this text in both the previous messages about the encounter between Moses and God when he asked God to show him his glory. The text is Exodus 33:18. It says, Moses said, please show me your glory. Now, the amazing thing about that is, and I talked about this in the first message, is how much Moses had already seen. He'd seen amazing things, spectacular things, uh, otherworldly things. Uh, He had seen the Red Sea split. He had seen an angel uh, in burning fire, the scripture says. Uh, he he, He saw all kinds of things and amazing things. He, God called him to the mountain and said he, he walked in a place where it was like sapphire that he walked on, a heavenly scene. And yet after all of that, Moses says to God, show me your glory. And, uh, and God agrees to do so. And he says, and this is the next verse, Exodus thirty-three nineteen, And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you and will proclaim before you my name, the Lord. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious. And I will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. The more I read that verse, the more I study it, the more it makes my heart rejoice. What God is saying to Moses is this. If you want to see my glory, I'll show you my glory. But you got to understand, it's not in all those earthly miracles that you've seen. My glory is wrapped up in my sovereignty. He said, I am a sovereign God and I can be gracious. By the way, when God is gracious, that's what? Grace. I can be gracious to whom I will be gracious and I can show mercy to whom I will show mercy. Now, I'm convinced in my heart that God spoke these words to Moses not primarily for it to be written in the word of God, not just so we would have it thousands of years later, not just so that we could read it and meditate on it and even preach on it and be comforted by it. Now, those are all important things, but scripture has a primary application. And the primary application was that he was speaking to Moses He wanted Moses to know in that time, that situation, that journey to the promised land, he wanted Moses to know that he was a sovereign God and that he could be gracious to the nation of Israel and he could show mercy to the nation of Israel 
if that was his decision. Point blank. Now, let me just stop right here uh, and talk to you about something else. Have you ever watched the program on television, Deal or No Deal? Man, when that thing first aired, I was captured. I, I was so interested. And, and I, I watched that thing for a while. But the more I watched it, the more disenchanted I became with it. I, it, it started bothering me. And, and I started seeing, uh, I don't know another word to say it, but the stupidity <laughs> of contestants. And I would, I would watch a contestant, more than one, and they would be in a situation where a deal was offered to them in the hundreds of thousands of dollars, 400,000, 500,000, 600,000. And they would stand there and say, no deal. And everyone would applaud. And then they would throw away this guaranteed offer on, on a game of chance. And then I would watch them sometimes after they had been offered these large sums of money walk out with almost nothing. And it bothered me. It even made me angry. I'm not... I'm not joking. I even got to the point where I was talking to my television set. (laughs) Even raising my voice. And I would watch it. And I would say, take the deal. Take the deal. Are you out of your mind? Take the deal. Why wouldn't you take the deal? Don't be crazy. Don't be insane. Take the deal. And over and over, I would watch them say no deal. And I got to tell you, when you start screaming at your television set, it's time to quit watching television. So I quit watching it. I don't watch deal. I don't even know if it's still on, deal or no deal. I don't know if it's still on, but I don't watch it anymore because it made me mad. (laughs) Kept me up. As I was preparing this message, I realized that Moses was in a deal or no deal situation with Almighty God. If you, if you read uh, this 33rd chapter of Exodus, you'll find this whole story I'm about to tell you. God says to Moses, Moses, I want you to take the children of Israel and I want you to take them up to the promised land. Moses, I promised the land, the land of promise. I promised it to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and their descendants. And so I want you to take them up, lead them all the way into the promised land. And then he says to Moses, Moses, I will send an angel with you, a mighty angel, and he will drive out uh, all of the ites. I mean, the Canaanites, the Ammonites, the Hittites, the 
parasites. <laughs> that is what parasites. It sounds like parasites, doesn't it? Uh, somebody said, and the termites. Um, <laughs> and, and, and the Hittites and the Jebusites and all the ites. I'll send an angel before you. I want you to take them up. I made the promise. I'm a, I'm a promise-keeping God. I want you to take them up. I'm going to send an angel before you. The angel's going to drive out all the inhabitants of the land, all your enemies, and you're going to dwell in a land of abundance flowing with milk and honey. But there's one caveat. God said, Moses, I'm not going with you. I'm not going with you. And he tells Moses why he's not going. You can go back and read it for yourself. He said, lest I consume these people. Now, in modern day language, that means to kill them. He said, Moses, I'm not going with you. Because these people are so rebellious and, and so difficult and so hard to deal with that if I'm not careful, I'll just kill them all. Now, there's the deal. Let's look at it. <laughs> Have you ever noticed that sometimes things are just perfect timing? <laughs> just perfect. Here's the deal. And I think it's a pretty good deal. I think it's an excellent deal. Moses, I made the promise. I'm going to keep my promise. Uh, take them up to the promised land. Uh, I'll send an angel. The angel will drive out all the inhabitants of the land. It'll be a land of abundance flowing with milk and honey. Uh, and, and if you take this deal, Moses, you don't have to worry about me killing them all. So that's off the table. Now, friends, in my, my opinion, th this would be the point at which I would be saying, take the deal. You're going to get to the promised land. Your enemies are going to be defeated. You're going to have abundance. You're going to have everything you need. God's going to take care of you, and you don't have to worry about his anger and wrath coming against you. This is a fall on your knees, thank you, God, deal. But Moses says, no deal. No deal? No deal? Moses said, no. We won't accept that. L let, me, let me read this passage of scripture to you. Th this is amazing. Exodus 33, 1 through 3. The Lord, uh, no, I'm, I skipped one. Uh, Exodus 33, 15 through 17. And he said to him, this is Moses talking to God. If your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. For how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? Is it not in your going with us so that we are distinct, I and your people, from every other people on the face of the earth? Now listen. And the Lord said to Moses, this very thing that you have spoken, I will do. For you have found favor in my sight. Now that favor is that grace and mercy. And I know you by name. Now, this is interesting because uh, you, you read this chapter and God makes a definitive statement. He said, I will not go with you because I just might kill all of you. And then Moses makes this appeal to God and God changes his mind immediately. 
Now, you ask, you may want to ask, because I did, how is it that a sovereign God could say, this is the way it is, and a mortal, weak man could make an appeal, and God says, okay, it's not that way, it's going to be this way now. How does a sovereign God change his mind? I don't know. But I know the scriptures. I know God said, I'm not going, because I might kill you. And then the next thing he says is okay, I'll go with you. Just like that. He, he somehow got the attention of Almighty God. He gained the favor, the grace, the mercy of Almighty God. And, and, and that's huge. Now, how is it possible that Moses would say to a sovereign God, no, no. No, we're, we're not going without you. No deal. You don't go, we, go, we don't go. We don't want to go if you don't go with us. Now, let me explain this. If you meditate on this, and I have for weeks now, what you find out is completing the journey, getting to the promised land, having all of your enemies defeated, living in a land of abundance where milk and honey is flowing, None of those things were as important to Moses as the presence of God. You see, what Moses was saying is none of those things as grand and glorious as they may seem, none of those things can compensate for the absence of God's presence. And friends, I'll tell you today, some people find this out too late. If you don't already know this, I hope you'll take hold of this. There is nothing in your life, no matter how good it is, that can compensate for the absence of his presence. It's impossible. It's impossible. When, when I was preparing this message, the Holy Spirit dropped something into my head and heart. And I believe this is the word of God. I'm just telling you. I believe the Lord spoke to me and said most of the church today wants the promised land more than they want the God of the promised land. One more time. Most of the church today wants the promised land more than they want the God of the promised land. Do you want God? More than anything else? Or did you, do you just want him for what he'll give to you? This is a serious matter. And, and it, it involves us receiving mercy and grace. I, I had the, the privilege of meeting and spending some time with the great Presbyterian preacher, Dr. D. James Kennedy. In fact, this is a funny story I tell. I, 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 my wife and I went out to a restaurant one day. This was when we were pastoring over in Alabama. And, and I saw uh, Dr. Kennedy there. I'd seen him on television for years, but I'd never met him before. And I saw him sitting at the table. And I stood up and Beth said, where are you going? <laughs> I said, I'm going to go speak to Dr. Kennedy. She said, you don't do that. You're going to embarrass us right here in this restaurant. I said, this is my one and only chance. I said, I'm going to go speak to Dr. Kennedy right now. He's, 
He's at a table with about eight or ten people. And I get up from the table, and she's just over there kind of doing this, <laughs> just, just trying to hide her face and disassociate herself. And I went over, and I, I tapped him on the shoulder, and he turned around. I, I said, Dr. Kennedy, I said, my name is Henry Jones. He pushed his chair back and he stood up and he said, Henry Jones. He said, I would know you anywhere. He said, I watch you on television every Sunday. (laughs) He saw this puzzled look on my face. He said, I'm sorry. He said, people say that to me all the time. I've always wanted to... I've always wanted to say it to somebody else. I said, Dr. Kennedy, I am so sorry. I apologize. I said, but I I had to meet you. Your ministry, by the way, for those of you who have ever gone through evangelism explosion, he wrote the book on it. Uh, One of the, the, the great Christian statesmen in America, he's in heaven now. But I said, I am so sorry, and I apologize for interrupting you and, and your folks here. And so help me. This is what he said. He said, these aren't my folks. He said, I, I don't even know these people. They're right, they're right there in the table. He said, I don't even know them. He said, I just came over to talk to them for a few minutes. And I said, Dr. Kennedy, would you please come and sit with my wife and me and have lunch with us? He said, absolutely. Let me finish my conversation with him and I'll be over and we'll eat together. So he comes over to my table. And when he comes over to my, uh, our table and he sits down, um, I, I, I said, okay, before we order, I've got one more request. I said, I'm a local pastor. I said, I want you to come preach in my church on Sunday morning. And he said, no, I can't do that. I said, why can't you do that? And he said, because I'm on R&R, rest and relaxation. He said, anyway, the first Presbyterian church in Dothan, Alabama has already invited me and I've turned them down. It's a big church. So help me. I don't know why I said what I said, but I said, well, I wouldn't preach in a Presbyterian church. (laughs) I said, that makes perfect sense. I know why you wouldn't want to go preach there. Hey, if if a Presbyterian is watching this, I love you. I just want you to know, if you know Jesus, you're my brother. But anyway, I said it. I said, I wouldn't go preach in a Presbyterian church. I said, said, but I want you to preach in a Baptist church. And he said, well, I don't don't know. And I said, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to have somebody to come pick you up on Sunday morning. And I want you to preach in our church. And he finally agreed. I pressured him. And I won't ever forget, actually, I said I'd have somebody. I went and picked him up. And on the way, he said, Pastor Jones, you know, he, he was very stately. He said, Pastor Jones, he said, I have two messages and I'm praying about which one to preach. I said, I know which one you ought to preach. This is a true story now. Don't you hate it when your preacher says that? <laughs> Makes you wonder about all the other stories. I said, I know which one you ought to preach. He said, I haven't even told you what they are. I said, but I still know. And he said, which one? I said, I want both of them. (laughs) He came to our church. He preached a full length sermon. We went back into a song service. He preached another full length sermon and the spirit of the Lord moved on the house. 
It was absolutely beautiful. This is one of the things that I heard him say. He said, most Christians don't really want God. He said, we want a cosmic genie that can fulfill our request. We want an Aladdin's lamp that we can rub every now and then. And a genie pops out and we make the request and the genie does the obeying. That's it. All about us. And then he confronts the congregation with this question. Do you really know God? Or is your relationship with some fictitious genie that doesn't exist and you're just making your request? You'll think about that for a while, friends. Now, I'm glad he didn't stop there. Let me tell you what he went on to say. He went on to say, here's the way to know if you really know God or if you're just worshiping some man-made deity that does not exist. Here's the way you tell. And this is what he said. Who gives the orders in the relationship? If you're the one making all the requests, giving all the orders and expecting him to obey, that's not God. That's just something you've made up in your head. But he said, on the other hand, if God is making the commands and you're doing the obeying, there's a good chance you know the God of the Bible. Wow. Here's the big question. We've been asking this in every message. Is there anything we can do that would cause a sovereign God to choose us? If he's sovereign and he shows grace to whom he will show grace and mercy to whom he will show mercy. And if it's a sovereign act of God, not something we deserve, but still, is there something we could do that would cause the favor of God to rest upon us? And the answer is yes. And we, we learned this from the story of Moses because nothing else mattered as much as the presence of God. He was willing to give up the journey the land, the blessings, the abundance. He was willing to give it all up if necessary for the presence of God. So what can we do? When the presence of God, when being close to God, when walking with him, when knowing him and him knowing us. Do you remember that part in the text where God says, and I know your name? And God knowing us. When that is more important than anything else. We're in a good place to receive mercy. So I'm asking you, which one is most important? The promised land or the God of the promised land? Uh, uh, let me break it down. Which one is most important? Your dreams, your hopes, your goals, your ambitions, or God? Oh, friends. That's a tough one. That hurts. I, I really honestly felt unworthy to stand before you and preach this message this morning. But friends, that's, that's so very important. Uh, 
Are you willing to give up everything to have him? You say, Pastor, you're getting radical. I'm not saying we have to give up everything, but I, I am saying that we have to be willing to give up everything. Everything has to be in second place to a holy God. And, and, and when you make up your mind that you're going to go after God and he'll be number one, then you have to be careful. Because somebody, someone will come along and offer you a deal. And you got to be ready and prepared to say, no deal. It's God. I want him more than anything else. Uh, One of the saddest things that I ever see happen in the church, right here in this church, I've seen it many, many times. The staff and I will talk about this. Is somebody will walk into this church and they're, they're miserable, they're undone. They have the heavy load and burden of sin. They come in, they hear the good news of Jesus Christ. They, they hear the gospel, they get saved and they get excited and you see them worshiping and praising the Lord. And, and, and I've had people tell me, I'm having the best time of my life. And sometimes this happens rapidly from the first time they walk through the door and within a month and you just see them glowing in the glory of God. And then I've had them to walk up to me and say, Pastor, I'm not going to be able to be here on Sunday any longer because somebody just offered me a job making a couple dollars more an hour, but I have to work on Sunday. See, you just got offered a deal. You just got offered a deal and that's when you say, no deal. I met God there. He's touching my heart. I've had a life-changing experience. No deal. There is no amount of money that'll drag me away from the place of salvation, the place of glory, the place of worship, the place where I hear from God. No deal. No deal. You see, when when you're going after God with everything in you, when he is your greatest desire, it's hard to do, but to take our eyes off everything else and put our eyes on the Lord and go after God. Oh, friends, mercy and grace begins to flow. I read this years ago, I'm sure the other pastors in the church have heard this story. Well, the story of a young man who went to a spiritual leader and he, he asked the spiritual leader, he said, will you, will you show me and tell me how to find God? The spiritual leader said, absolutely. So he takes the young man and he takes him to a body of water and he says, come with me. And he takes him by the arm and they start to walk out into the water. And the young man's thinking, oh, this is great. There's going to be some kind of ceremony. He's going to baptize me. Uh, I'm going to have some kind of epiphany and he's going to reveal God to me. And uh, so they walk out into the water. The man of God doesn't say anything. He just takes him and gets him in position and very gently lowers him down into the water. But he doesn't bring him up. He just holds him there. And the young man's thinking, okay, all right, okay. And after about 30 seconds, the young man's getting restless and he's holding his breath. And and the spiritual leader just grips him 
and holds him tight. He struggles a little bit, still can't get loose. About 45 seconds go by and he is embracing him and he won't let him up. By this time, the young man's thinking, he's, he's trying to drown me. He's trying to kill me. And finally, with everything in him, he fights to get loose and he pops up out of the water and he shouts at the spiritual leader and he says, what are you trying to do? And the spiritual leader said, when you want God as much as you wanted that next breath, you'll find him. Oh, friends, shouldn't we have learned by now that casual Christianity just doesn't work? Shouldn't we have already learned that lesson? This is an all or none walk. This is God before everything else. This is going after him. And I'll tell you, when you go after God with everything in you, that's when you get mercy and grace. It's not that you deserve it. It's not that you're better. It's not that you're more obedient. It's not. It's just that you go after him with everything in you. A, a man in this church shared with me a story about a preacher, a young preacher who was on a college campus and he was trying to reach these college kids and he was just making no headway whatsoever. Nothing. And finally, in desperation and discouragement, he started praying. And he said, God, show me how to get through to these college kids. Lord, how do I get through to them? And he said, finally, the Holy Spirit spoke to him and said, you're asking the wrong question. The question is not how do you get through to these college kids? The question is, how do you get through to me? Because when you get to me, that's when things start happening. Oh, friends. Here's the big picture, friends. The question is not, can we get through to Wakulla County? The question is not, can we reach Wakulla County? The question is, can we reach the God who created every person in Wakala County. Can we reach him? Can we come to a point as a church and as a people where we see an outflow of the grace and the mercy and the redemption and the hope and the help of God? Can we reach the throne of grace so the glory of God can be poured out on this county? Let me break it down a little more. Give me your attention now. Give me your attention. Let me break it down for you, friends. The question is not, can you reach and get through to your children and grandchildren and your loved ones who are lost? That's, that's not the question. The question is, can you get to God? Can you get to Him? The one who can bring forth redeeming grace and mercy and salvation, can you get to God? Listen up. Somebody here needs what I'm about to say. The question is not, can you figure out how to fix your marriage? I'm sorry, but it's not. The question is not, uh, 
Can you figure out how to overcome the bad habits, break the addiction? The question is not, can you, can you figure out how to get demonic and evil spirits off of you and driven back? That's not the question. The question is, can you get to God? The question is not, how do I get over this broken heart? How do I get over this mess I've made? That's not the question. The question is, can you get to the one who said, I came to bind up the brokenhearted. I came to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. I came to give beauty for ashes and the oil of joy for mourning and the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. The question is, can we get to the one who changes everything? This, this is a challenge for all of us. So the question is, is there anything we can do? Yeah. And I hope you'll use these words. I hope you'll hold on to these words. You got to say to the devil, the world, and anybody who wants to strike a deal with you, no deal. No deal. I'm going after God. Would you bow with me in prayer? Yeah. No deal. Nothing in this world. No amount of money, no amount of fame, no amount of possessions, no abundance, no deal. It's, I just want you, Lord. I just want you. Father, bless us today. I pray this message will sink deep into our hearts. I pray every person in this house, myself included, uh, will, uh, will take this message and run as fast as we can to your presence. Lord, forgive us when we've allowed other things to compensate for your presence. Have mercy upon us according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies, blot out our transgressions and help us, take us by the hand as it were and lead us into your divine presence. We pray for forgiveness, but we pray for passion to come after you like never before. Lord, I thank you for what you're doing in this church, but I know in my heart that it pales in comparison to what you will do, what you can do, what you want to do if we just draw close to you. Lord, if there are those here today who need to trust you as Lord and Savior, may it happen today. May they say no deal to everything the world offers them and yes to you and your presence. I pray, Lord, that souls will be saved, lives will be changed. I pray that Christians who, who love you but realize that they've become casual in their Christianity will rededicate their lives this morning. I pray that this will be a monumental benchmark day in the life of River of Life, in my life, and every person here. Holy Spirit, move on us, we pray. Holy Spirit, move on us, we pray. Before I say an amen, I want to I want to make a request. And that is, 
Let's give the Holy Spirit an opportunity to minister us. Please don't leave unless you just have to. If you have to, we'll understand. But unless you just have to, let's let the Holy Spirit speak to us and draw us and woo us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you again for listening to this message from River of Life. If this message has touched you today, or if you need someone to pray with, please contact us at 850-926-1200 or email us at info at rolcrawfordville.com. We also want to encourage you to visit us this Sunday morning at 1030 a.m. in Crawfordville. Please visit us online at rolcrawfordville.com for more information and directions.